That's right. These things never change. In fact, we were just singing about God's faithfulness, which never changes. Why don't you help me thank God in this place? Help me praise God for who he is, for our choir and our praise team, our media ministry, our greeters, and each and every one of you. It is always good to be here, for this is the day the Lord has made, and we ought to rejoice and be and be glad in it because God has been and is continuing to be good to each and every one of us. As again, we continue in our series as we're looking at the doctrines of the church, uh, we want to turn our attention on this Sunday morning to begin our time together in the book of 2 Timothy. Book of 2 Timothy, the third chapter. Book of 2 Timothy, the third chapter, and our reading will commence at the 14th verse. It's one thing to sing about God's faithfulness, but we learn of God's faithfulness when we give our attention to the Word of God. And that's what we want to do on today. We want to give our attention to the Word of God as together we'll look at the Word to see what the Word says about the Word. I guess none of y'all caught that. Let me try it again. (laughs) We're going to look into the Word to see what the Word of God, how it testifies of itself because part of our Christian doctrine is our belief in the Word of God. I invite your attention. I hope you made your way there to the third chapter of 2 Timothy. Beginning at the 14th verse, Paul, under the direction of the Holy Spirit, is writing to a young man who is called by God, commissioned by God, and now finds himself surrounded by ungodliness. And no matter what the society is doing and evil people and imposters are going from worse to worse and deceiving, this is what the writer to young Timothy says. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you've learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture. Somebody say all Scripture. All Scripture scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man or woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Allow me to read, uh, for emphasis' sake, again, that 16th verse. All Scripture is breathed out by God, and it is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. I remember um, back in late 90s, um, early 2000, I was a student at New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary. And while my matriculation there, I 
had a professor by the name of Dr. Francis Kimmett. Francis Kimmett was um, my Old Testament uh, professor uh, of Hebrew, and Dr. Norris Groves was my Greek um, professor. I remember at, in both those language classes, they, they had us to, to look into words, or do what we call word studies. And particularly since the New Testament is written in Aramaic and Greek, and, and this context that Paul is writing in is in, in Greek, um, the word there, all, that begins, you know, all scripture is God breathed. Um, you don't mind if I give you a Greek language lesson? Do you, you mind? If you mind, I got the mic anyway, so you know I'm going to do it anyway, all right? Um, but that word all, I, I did some dissecting there. I've been looking really carefully at the Koine Greek. I, I wanted to make sure that I was able to unpack it because I know that you are a learned congregation and I wanted to go deep into that word. Um, and as I was going deep into that word, um, I found out the, the true meaning, unearthing the true meaning of all. And do you know what the true meaning of all is? Oh, you've been, you've been in a Greek class too, I see. You, you've been in that Greek class. Uh, Notice the text. All scripture is God breathed. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father, we thank you so much that you've blessed us to be in this sacred space one more time. As together we get to turn our attention to your holy word. We do ask that you eliminate any distractions and anything from the enemy that would try to prevent your word from going forth. And allow your word to find our minds and our hearts as receptive soil. That your, your word might penetrate our lives, that it might, our lives might better glorify you. We might learn to live for you better and love each other more. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. He's writing to a young man. A young man that is called um, by God to lead a congregation of believers. Paul writes to him because he wants to make sure that Timothy doesn't sway or drift because of a competing culture. And so he tells Timothy where to place his anchor. He tells him where his foundation must remain. He begins by saying, don't drift from what you've learned and firmly believed. This is important. He said, don't, don't drift from it. Don't, don't go away from your teachings of what you've learned and firmly believed because the sacred writings, the scripture, the Old Testament and New Testament, they are the, are the words to make you wise unto salvation in Jesus Christ. He says there's something that is so important that the greatest gift before Paul transitioned from the earth, before he transitioned into glory, his last letter that he penned to this young man in ministry, that his son in the ministry, if he's going to leave him with any inheritance, don't miss this parents, don't miss this grandparents, if he's going to leave with any inheritance. It wasn't going to be money. It wasn't going to be property. It wasn't going to be uh, physical things. I know some of you looking at me like that saying, oh, now hold on, Pastor. Let me mess with my, my inheritance. Let me mess with my inheritance. But, but if you're going to leave your children, if you're going to leave those who are under you with anything, the most valuable thing to leave them with is a knowledge of God. And our knowledge of God comes from the Word of God. This is what 
Paul leaves to Timothy. Because as we look at the doctrine of the scriptures, we must understand that because the Bible is the word of an absolutely truthful God, all of his teachings are true. Because the Bible, the 66 books of our canon, because they come from the absolutely truthful God, then everything that comes from God reflects his character or reflects the character of God, and God is true, and everything that comes from him is the truth. Okay? It is not contingent on what society says is true. No. It is not predicated on what the public's view or opinion is about it being true. It doesn't matter if anybody in here or listening agrees with it. It doesn't change the fact that the Word of God is true because anything and everything said by God is always true. If I was sitting next to you right now, I'd turn to your neighbor and just tell them, if you like it or not, it's still true. <laughs> because the truth is, well, it's just, just the truth. And God's word is the truth. But in order for us to unpack, understand, uh, unearth the truth of God's word, we need the spirit of God. And I hope you get this. Second Peter the first chapter, the 21st verse, tells us that for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of men, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Don't miss this. This, this text, what we hold as sacred scripture, is not an invention of man, it's an inspiration of God. Man did not uh, just think of their minds to, let's go ahead and write this. No, this is the move of God over years and generations to give to us his self-disclosed revelation of who he is through his written word. But let me help you. Everybody won't understand it. No, everybody won't want to believe it. Because it takes the Holy Spirit for us to understand the Holy Scripture. Amen. Uh, 1 Corinthians, 2nd chapter, 14th verse, tells us, The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. I know sometimes you're wondering, why, why don't my friend get it? Why don't my co-worker get it? Why, why is it that they're, they're rejecting it? Because unless you have the Holy Spirit of God, there is absolutely no way you'll correctly interpret the Word of God. And the only way to have the Spirit of God is that you have to be a child of God. 
that you have to come to Jesus Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life. When you come to Jesus Christ, then the Holy Spirit of God indwells you, and he will guide you to understand the truth of God's word, because I told you everything from God is the truth. Oh, you, you don't seem to believe me, okay? Let me, let me help you understand something. Um, no matter what society tries to propagate, God is the standard of truth. For God is truth. In fact, God is absolutely truthful. In him, there's never been, nor will there ever be deceit or deception. For our God is the truth. The Word of God testifies of this in Titus 1 and 2, where the Word of God tells us, in hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the age began. Our, our God, the God we serve, the Word of God reveals him as a God who never lies. Jesus declared this, and you know it already, I said it earlier, when Jesus said, I am the way, the and the life. So hold on. The Father declares that he always tells the truth. The Son is the truth. And if you were with us on last week, we know then the, the three persons of the Holy Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the... Well, we can't leave the Holy Spirit out because John 16 and 13 says, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. Amen. Now, catch this. So if God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, all in one, God is, if God is truth, then anything that is contrary to what God says is not. I was going to say it's a lie, but I didn't want to offend <laughs> But But that's really what it is. Because God, it, truth is not relative. Truth is absolute. If it wasn't absolute, then it wouldn't be the truth. Oh, I'm trying to help you understand this. Okay, let me hurry up now. So, so God, God is absolutely truthful. And from him we get his word because God's word is always true. You mean even if I disagree with it, Pastor? God's word is always true. It, even the ones that, that's hard to do? God's word is what? I got some people still awake in here. God's word is always true. Truth is an attribute of God in Scripture, and it pertains to all of his speech. Given that the Scripture is written, is the written word of God, it therefore is entirely true. That means Scripture will never mislead its reader in what it asserts or commands. The Word of God, from Genesis to Revelation, will never mislead you because the Word of God shall always remain true. In fact, it's so important to our Christian belief system and that if you do not have your own copy of the Word of God and you haven't been able to download an app with the Word of God on it, just see me or any deacon in the house, and they'll make sure that you receive a copy from your church family of the Word of God. 
Because we want to make sure that everyone has a copy of God's word because in order for us to learn of God's faithfulness that you just sung about, in order for us to be able to say yes to all that he said and all that he's done, then we have to learn it from the word of God. Okay, uh, this, this, is, this is biblical truth. The Bible truth is related to God's character, his will, his glory, and, and his self-expression because the Bible is about one one being. Do you know who that is? The Bible is not about me. It's not about you. You know who the Bible really is all about? The meta-narrative of the Bible is all about him. Amen. And he's provided us. He's blessed us with the written word of God so that we can learn more of him. Check out the, check out the text. Because our, our doctrine of scripture tells us that if you are a believer in Christ and you're striving to follow the lordship of Christ, then the word of God is the authority over your life. Which means everything else comes underneath the word of God. The word of God is the final authority in our lives. Okay, let me, let me go ahead and back it up for you. Uh, Psalm 119 and 89. Psalm 119 and 89 declares, forever. O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. That's authority. You know why the word of God is, authority, is authorized? It's because there's no one greater than our God. Amen. And our God, if he declares it to be, it shall be. And as a child of God, if you really want the blessings of God, you want to learn how to live under the authority of God. Go ahead and talk to some real people in a minute. Because you know good and well that the last time you went outside the authority of God, you got yourself in a dark place, a bad place, a deep place. In, oh, okay. Oh, you don't like to tell the truth in here. Um, you, you, you remember that last time you tried to do it on your own, your own way? You, you remember, don't you? You remember uh, everybody else was telling you, don't do it. The Bible said, don't do it. And you want to do it your own way, on your own terms. And then you realize what you've done to yourself. And you look and you said, you know what? I'm worse off because I did it my own way. Because your way isn't the right way if your way doesn't align up with God's way. God's way has the authority. It, it has, has the authority. It, it, it reminds me of that, that naval officer, uh, naval commander that was uh, navigating the seas. The story goes that naval commander was navigating the seas. And, and Brother Al, I, I know you were in the military service, and he was navigating the seas. And, and so this commanding officer, he, as he was approaching, he saw a light coming from the distance. He decided to get on his amplification system, and he told, uh, he told the, the, what he t appeared to be the coming vessel to veer 10 degrees south, to which a response came and said, no. I won't veer, you need to veer 10 degrees north. The commanding officer, then feeling himself a little bit, uh, said, you don't understand, I'm the highest ranking officer in the naval command, and I'm telling you to veer 10 degrees south. He said, do you understand who you're talking to? And next thing you know, the command came back, said, well, I'm a lighthouse. I, I would encourage you to veer 10 degrees north. Because the light of the word of God has to be the authority of our lives. It benefits you when you do it God's way. It helps you when you do it God's way. 
You have a, a clearer path when you try to do it God's way. Now, when you do it your way, then you find yourself like the Israelites wandering for 40 years trying to figure out why you're not getting anywhere or ending up with the same kind of folk. Or the same, I, no, you know what? I didn't even want to go there. But you wonder why you keep repeating the same things over and over and over again because you're trying to do it your way. But when you do it God's way, the Bible tells us that God, when you trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding, but in all your ways you acknowledge him, he'll make your pathway straight. He'll, he'll, he'll make sure that it's clear because you're doing it his way. You know, some of us try to preach, approach um, Christianity like it's a Burger King mentality that we can just have it. But then that would make you Lord. Hmm? That would make you, you God. No, God's word is the authority in the believer's life. But not only is the word authority, but his word is trusted because of his accuracy. It's trusted because of his authority, but it's trusted because of his accuracy. Look with me in, in 2 Samuel, the 7th chapter and the 28th verse. 2 Samuel, the 7th chapter and the 28th verse. And now, O oh Lord God, you are God, and your words are true. And you have promised this good thing to your servant. Catch it. He says, your words are true, accurate, concise. Doesn't need anything else to be um, given to it. It can't be taken away from it. His word always works. Now, let me go ahead and qualify this, that the promises of God are not on your timetable. Right. Promises of God are not on my timetable. But just because it's not on your timetable does not mean that the promises of God are untrue. No, no. God is the sovereign God. And he fulfills his word. The word of God will not return void. God does what God says he's going to do. And in the meantime, which sometimes can be a very mean time, in the meantime, you can trust God because God is still with you even in the meantime. And some of you right now, you're in that space right now. That's exactly where you are. You're, you're in a mean time. You're waiting for God to do what God promised that he would do. And God is waiting for you to trust him that he's going to do what he wants to do and what he promised to do in your life as long as you commit to following him. We just said he's, a, he's the same God. He's a faithful God. What he did back then, he'll do now. He's the same God, and he's always true. And his word is accurate. The accuracy of his word. Uh, but let me, let me go on. Let me teach you a little bit longer here. Um, not only his word, does, not, does the word of God have authority, not only do we trust the word of God because of his accuracy, we also trust the word of God because of its sufficiency. Yes. Sufficiency. It means it doesn't need our help. It doesn't need anything else for it to work. God's word not only is true, but it's always sufficient for you. Look at Psalm 119 and 160. It says, the sum of your word is true, and every one of your righteous rules endures how long? Forever. It's sufficient. It's always going to endure to the degree that when Jesus was praying for his, his disciples, those who are following him, in John 17 and 17, he said, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is true. God's word works. I was, I was um, thinking about this, actually, as, as I was driving, and, and you know, I, 
for some reason, I have to wake up at around 6 in the morning. Um, I, have to, I have to wake up around 6 in the morning. Some of you are looking at me like you're saying, that's not early. <laughs> and the rest of you all, you're like, I woke up at 6 in the morning a long time. Well, I haven't lived that long to be retired, but I'm getting there. But I wake up at 6 in the morning, um, when, when, when Kiana wakes me up, about three, four, five times, you know, just wakes me up. Um, and, and I get up, Lee, because um, I transport my daughter to school. Now, there was a time where I transported um, all four of them to school, Anthony, um, but for some reason they keep dwindling, they're they, they leaving out. Um, I actually want them to, but, but, but uh, <laughs> transport to school, I transport to school, Tim, and and and. I realized something as I was going um, to get, get her to school uh, early in the morning. Uh, it never fails. Never fails that early in the morning, I'm transporting school, there, there's a short lady, a little short lady. She doesn't have a whistle. She doesn't have a gun. She doesn't have a badge. She doesn't have a nightstick. All she has is a word. She stands out in the middle of the traffic with just a word. And she holds that word up, and when that word goes up, everything stops with just a word. You're not getting it just yet here. She stands with just a word. And with that word, she has authority to stop some things and to let some things go. I'm already, I'm already in this thing. Because when she let the kids go across in safety, she does it with just a word. When she stops the traffic, she stops it with just a word. Come here, saints of God. I just want to help you understand something. The reason you want to be like the psalmist to have his word in your heart, that you're not, not sin against him, because you can stop some sinning when you have just a word. There's some things that you can stop doing if you just have the word. God's word is sufficient and it's true because God's word is always true. So, so Paul writes to Timothy and he tells him that all scripture is breathed out by God. It's inspired by God. It comes from God. All scripture comes from God and he says it is profitable. It's it's good for you. It, it's always designed to help you. It's, it's good for you. It's profitable for teaching, causing others to understand God's truth. It's profitable for reproof, bringing conviction of error when there has been deviation from God's truth. It's helpful for correction bringing restoration to the truth when there's been an error. And then he says, and training in righteousness, which is a type of guidance in the way that right living, that God's truth is revealed. Or let me put it this way. Um, it's profitable because Scripture is useful for teaching what is right, rebuking what is wrong, correcting how to get it right, and training us how to stay right. That's the word of God, and the word of God still works. It works. It, it, it works. Uh, uh, let me see here. Um, any, any of you all, any of you all um, if your parents are here, just be careful with answering this question, okay? Uh, any of you all had old school parents? Uh, old, old school. You know, no, no, I'm going to qualify this thing. Old school, old school parents. Old school parents are the kind of parents um, that, that when, when they fix the plate, um, th th there was no option of whether or not you're hungry or not. When they fixed the plate, you ate what was on the plate. I, I, I had, see, I'm stuttering now. I'm, I'm, I'm getting a flashback. I remember. Um, 
I had old school, I have old school parent. I, I have old school parent, and, and, and it used to, used to bother me. I couldn't say it out loud. I thought it inside. I couldn't say it out loud, y'all. Y'all don't know how good y'all have it. All right. Um, she put some stuff on my plate that, that I really, I mean, you'd understand. Okay, listen. She put green lima beans on my plate. You see what I'm saying? See, she put Brussels sprouts with no bacon <laughs> on my plate. And she, and she demanded, because she had the authority in that house, she demanded that we ate what was on our plates. I'm trying to help you understand something here. I made up my mind that whenever I got on my own, <laughs> nobody was going to make me eat green lima beans or Brussels sprouts. But Randy, something happened. Because the more she, I, I want to say forced, I was trying to find a different word, Mom, I know you're listening, but uh, the more she compelled me <laughs> to eat that diet, something began to change in me. Oh, you're not with me just yet here. Uh, taste buds started to, to shift, and all of a sudden, now as an adult, I want some green lima beans and, and, and some Brussels sprouts. You, you're not with me just now here. I, I want to help you understand something. There's some truth in God's word. His word is always true, and sometimes it won't taste good for you. I, I'm going to just tell you like it is. Sometimes you, you want to hold on to the grudge. Sometimes you want to be unforgiving. Sometimes you want to stay bitter. Sometimes you want to remind yourself of what they did because you don't want to forget how you felt about what they did, and so you keep reminding yourself, and God keeps telling you in his word, he said, I told you to forgive them like I've forgiven you. God said, I told you to have mercy like I've had mercy on you. It don't taste good right now, but it's good for you, and after after a while, you realize when the Word of God is in you, it sticks with you. Oh, no, I've had some time here. It sticks with you to where you start speaking the Word of God. Even when you want to say something else, the Word of God just comes out in its place. So, so sometimes the Word of God, it'll just, it'll just come out from the inside. There's some words you still remember. You want to say them, but, but God won't let you say them because you got too much of the Word on the inside of you. And what's on the inside of you is going to come on out of you. Yeah. I get too excited sometimes. I need to. Let me tell y'all some things. Um, the word of God is profitable. It is the only word that can help you in any given situation. It's the word of God. It's the only word that is always right all the time. It's the word of God. It's, it's the only instruction that will always get you into the grace and favor of God. It's the word of God. In fact, um, there's so much to, to tell you about the Word of God. I, I go ahead and take cell phones out, just like we did on last week. Take cell phones out real quick. Take cell phones out. Um, some of you already have it out. You, you were looking on your Bibles, but go ahead and get your camera out. Because I provided um, some scripture for you to, in your private time of studying the Word of God, that you can review these passages of scripture that teaches us about God's Word, the authority of God's Word, the uniqueness of God's Word, the power of God's Word, the sufficiency of God's Word, the inerrancy of God's Word, meaning it has no error. The source of truth is God's Word, the inspiration that comes from God and the Word of God, the life-giving Word of God. It's spiritual food. The Christ said, man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. 
Because God's word, the scripture, we believe is from God for God's people. It reveals God to God's people so that God's people can learn of God that we can become more godly in Christ Jesus. Thirdly, hope you got this. First, God is absolutely truthful. Secondly, God's word is always true. And thirdly, God's word followed can authentically transform you. So many times we try our best to change ourselves. We try our best to to do it on our own. And we believe with enough willpower we can get it done. But for some of you who've been living a while, you know then that every time we try it on our own, that never lasts. In fact, it doesn't really work. But when you apply the word of God to it, you realize that it has some staying power because the word of God will transform you. Psalm 119 and 9 says, How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to the word of God. Psalm 119 and 11 I have stored your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Psalm 119 and 105, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And look what Hebrew, the Hebrew writer says in Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing the division of the soul and of the spirit, of joint and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The word of God can transform you by the spirit of God. And the word of God will teach us how to practice godly living. That's one of the things I want you to take a picture of. The Word of God will teach us how to practice godly living. So I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you, believer. If you want to grow in your relationship with God, if you want to go deeper in your relationship with God, don't just read the Word. Study the Word of God. Study it. Meditate on the Word of God. Chew on it. Rehearse it in your minds. I told the earlier earlier service, I said, you know what? If we would would look at the word of God as much as we look at social media, if we look at the word of God as much as we take in the the stuff that comes on the news uh, medians, if we had that much word of God in us, it would change how we see some stuff. That if the word of God is in you, then you always know that all things, no matter what's going on in your life, all things work together for the good to them who love God, who are called according to his purposes. If the word of God is in you, then you always know no matter what you're faced with, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. When the word of God is in you, you know something like no weapon. I said no weapon. No weapon formed against me shall be able to prosper. When you know the word of God is in you, then you too can know that no matter what you're going through, God is always with you. Because he said, I'll never leave you, nor will I forsake you. If you know the word of God and the word of God is in you, you know that our God is a refuge and strength, a very present help in the time of trouble. If you know the word of God, you know what? You, if, you, if you know it, though, if you know it, you can be like the psalmist says, where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. How do we know this? It's from the word of God. And this is why we must stay in the word not only memorize it, but speak it. When you speak to one another, speak the word of God. 
it would change some responses. Somebody gets on your last Christian nerve, speak the word of God to them. I bet it'll change some responses. Learn how to speak the word of God and believe it. Believe it. And believing it means living by it. That our lives are governed by the word. When you go before God in your private closet, you pray the word of God. Because God always honors his word. So in this moment, I want to invite you to pray the word of God unto the Lord. In light of what the scripture is for every believer, God's word, authoritative, accurate, sufficient. Psalm 119, 36 through 37 is a prayer that I, I'm inviting you to pray. Psalm 119, 36 and 37 it's a prayer that the psalmist prays. And if you're serious about your relationship with God, if you want to go deeper in your relationship with God, you understand God's purpose and will for your life, then pray this prayer over your life. Incline my heart to your testimonies. And not to selfish gain. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things. Give me life in your ways. Incline my heart to your testimonies. Incline my heart to, to what you say about you. Incline my heart to, to long God for you. And not to selfish gain. Those things that pull me away from you. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things. Can you pray that for yourself? God, turn my eyes from looking at worthless things. I've given too much of my attention and too much of my time to what doesn't give life. Give me life. Father, this is our prayer. As your children and as your people. For we stand on the authority of your word. Because we know like you are true, your word is always true. There is no error. Your word is complete. It gives us a divine revelation of who you are, so we thank you for your word. We ask God that you would inscribe your word on our hearts and on our minds, that we have an appetite for your word, that we can learn more of you through your word as your spirit guides us into all truth. Now, Father, we know that we can't comprehend your word without a relationship with you. So now I'm asking that you would work on the hearts and minds of those who are listening. For the very person who knows that they're not close enough to you, that they haven't truly said yes to you, 
God, impress their hearts right now that they will say yes, that they will come down these aisles, that they will say yes to you and find their lives transformed in Christ Jesus. For your word tells us that everyone who confesses the name of Christ shall be saved. Forgiven of our sins, cleansed from our unrighteousness, and able to walk in the newness of life because of Jesus Christ, our Savior. So we ask in God, that in the name of Jesus, you transform somebody's life today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have you stand all Thank over Thank you for joining us online. We hope today's experience encouraged and challenged you. At Champion Forest, we are passionate about all kinds of people coming to know God, to grow in their relationship with Him and others, and then to go out and make a difference in the world. We would love the opportunity to talk and pray with you. To connect with us, just go to championforce.org connect. And hey, of course, we can't wait to welcome you on campus in person on one of our locations. We'll see you soon.